0: Young, Welcome to I've Made a Huge Mistake in Arrest Development Podcast. I'm your host Darren. Uh, with me today I'm joined by two guests and they are Sammy C. Hello Sammy. Hello. And Jordan Sam. Hello Jordan. Hey. And today we're covering episode 8 which is In God We Trust which was broadcast on the 14th of December uh, 2003. It's It's kind of the Christmas episode, though when, at the time, episode 7, as I will have discussed last week, was actually broadcast after this episode. So, once again, we're doing things out of order slightly here. The episode was directed by Joe Russo, once again returning. He's still got a couple more episodes to go before he finishes the first season. And it was written by Abraham Higginbotham, who you may recognise as Gary. He appears in um, a couple of season 2 episodes. Joe is quite inappropriate with Gary trying to show him how his chair squeaks. He originally was a writer for Will and Grace where he he um he wrote a spec script of Will and Grace and they hired him. So uh you know kudos to him. Uh, he's also written on um Modern Family and uh, Ugly Betty. Uh he will go on to write another four episodes that we will cover throughout the rest of this show. So, I'm going to read you the uh, summary that is in my DVD, uh, and it says that the plot for the episode is as follows. The family attorney announces that if 20,000 in bail money is raised, George Sr can be released from prison for a time for the Christmas Living Classes pageant. That's the main storyline kind of revolving around Barry Zuckerkorn who we're meeting here for the first time. Oh my god. Played by played by the narrate the narrator's old friend. <laughs> uh i th- i think again this is a, as with um liza Minnelli, this is a case of ron howard knowing someone and then just saying to them why don't you come and be on this tv show and uh henry henry winklow says yes uh, and he's he's there until uh season 3 in the pilot he was alluded to by george senior who in attempting to figure out that you know he cannot be tried for the same crime as his wife he, um, he finally realized that he has the worst lawyer. Uh, and there's a word that he said that got bleeped out in that particular one. Now, he's, he's described here as being the, f- the family's longtime attorney. I don't recall him appearing in any flashbacks in future seasons. I don't know if they want you to think there's something going on between Barry and Lucille or if there has been something going on with Barry and Lucille. But this, this kind of thing with Barry and Lucille is the main driver for the kind of the A plot of the story. Which is Michael and Lindsay trying to figure out how to stop people from spending money on frivolous things. <laughs> um such as getting someone out of prison for the afternoon for twenty thousand dollars. That's the that's the main plot. But the the kind of the, the side plot which branches off from that is <laughs> I guess I'm gonna describe it as the muscle suit plot, which is George Michael, um as we all know, and has been mentioned a few times on this program he, he loves his cousin and for some reason volunteers to play the role of adam in the living classics pageant this comes with a muscle suit and the frontispiece uh, which obviously um you know we get into a lot later in, in the episode but this is kind of um the first time that um we see well this is the first time that we get an explanation for the cut-offs Uh, this is this is this is the we've seen we've seen tobias i think in the second episode in the third episode he was in the shower crying and you could see cutoffs through the kind of screen it's never alluded to in any way and then in the previous episode he was wearing a towel and Lindsay pulls it off and we see the cutoffs but they don't explain what's going on he just hides um (laughs) and so here is the first time that we find out he's a never (laughs) news. And I love the the kind of the exchange between <coughs> Lindsay and Michael, which is simply He's a never nude. Is that exactly what it sounds like? He can never be nude. And that that brings us like a little um we get a montage of of all the situations in which Tobias has been never nude.
1: I, I like how how early on, like when Michael he has to ask what it is, but when he accidentally mentions it like later to Lucille, she immediately is like
2: I thought he just liked cut <laughs> Like, he knows exactly
1: what he's talking about.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's It's weird that, like, the cutoffs thing is almost like a thing that everyone in the family seems to know about, but no one wants to talk about, uh, which obviously is a, a trademark of the Bluth family. Is a lot of people know stuff about each other, but they just never bother to talk about it. And now there's two kind of running jokes throughout the episode that are kind of uh, not... F- I wouldn't say not fully fleshed out, but then they're, they're not they're not really kind of important to the plot, they're just done for the, the whole as sort of like a gag. Um, which is Michael, who is you know, now realised he's in love with Marta, has decided to learn Spanish. He gets caught learning Spanish by Job, who gets suspicious that he's fleeing to South America, um, for some reason. I don't know why he thinks he's fleeing. Then at the same time, maybe he's trying to teach her parents a lesson And she's feeling abandoned, which is right at the very... In the first scene, she turns up ten minutes after everybody else is there. And then they leave her behind once more, which is like a funny joke. But she tries to make her parents realise that she feels abandoned. And it's very unsuccessful, uh, which we'll get into as we talk about the episode. Um, And then the kind of the last little kind of running joke is the relationship between... Uh, Lucille 2 and Buster I'll bring it up here right at the very top because you know the Lucille and Buster thing it's not really a huge deal in this episode it's just kind of like the start of them going places basically and being caught and Buster being ashamed um, but there were a number of cutscenes scenes um, from the episode and they all revolved around Buster Calling everybody Lucille, calling Michael Lucille, calling he, he called, first of all he calls his mom Lucille, which obviously tips him off, tips her off to the fact that something's wrong because he never does that, um, and then you know he calls George Michael Lucille, and it's just it's this weird thing where it's just like a, a few little brief things where there's obviously this running gag that they just decided to drop. And unusually for this episode, we do not finish with uh, an on the next at the end. It just mm-hmm. it finishes with Michael and um, Lindsay talking, and that's the end of the episode. And the reason they don't finish with that is because the running gag of Buster calling everybody Lucille was cut out of the episode. So the on the next, which is um, Buster and Lucille, one, celebrating a New Year's party, and he says happy you know, Happy New Year to her. And she kind of just blanks him and walks off, and that would have been the that would have been the on the next, which would have been an interesting you know kind of way for the, the like their relationship because obviously Lucille gets angry at Buster, but she always then insists on bringing him back. I just want to touch on the fact that I have no idea where Job is living in this episode. Uh, this is something that happens a lot in season one where you never quite know where Job is living I think he 's still living with Marta, but i 'm not sure they but, you know, I just thought I'd mention that because it's something that I'm talking about in each episode. Because, <laughs> so, Sammy, did you watch this show when it was actually on the air on Fox, or did you come to it later on through DVDs, or?
2: Um, I as, came as late to as it, Netflix. Yeah, I came to it as late as Netflix. Um, I, I had one of my best friends and her older brothers watched it while it was on, and they kept telling me how much I would like it, and I could never. Um, I have a very like, everybody-watches-TV-together type of family, so if, uh, <laughs> if you know, when I was living with my family, if I wanted to watch something, everybody had to watch it, and I could never get them to want to watch Arrested Development, so it was something that I never got to watch until until college, um, and I, I watched it on Netflix, and um, since then, it's been kind of, every time I'm, like, between shows or, like want something playing in the background it's i go back to it like i said um i've probably watched the whole series through maybe like six times except for the 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 last this season four, the netflix season so um yeah i it's become like it i just i think it's so well written and so tightly edited and it's like one of those things like i like to watch something that's just perfect you know, and in my opinion the show is pretty near to perfect.
0: And uh Jordan, did you watch it when it was on the air? When it was part of that wonderful uh Oliver Bean, The Simpsons, Bernie Mac, Malcolm in the Middle <laughs> Sunday night. I actually Line I actually did
1: catch it because um like I would watch, you know, the Sunday night and I remember catching the first ep- first couple episodes. I forget like why I watched it, or 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 if I was just you know it came on after something I was watching and I just sat and watched it. All I remember is that after watching like uh you know being on the Sunday block after things, after watching it a couple of times, I'm like this is actually kind of fun. I I'll keep watching it, and then I started hearing people talking about it. I'm like oh well I guess other people like it too, and so. <laughs> I, and and just like the more I watched it the more I really really liked it and I'm like wow there's a lot of good stuff about this and I think it was like near the after watching uh, interesting enough is like after like the first season was wrapping up or anything and watching it on Fox and you know hearing people talk about it like I knew it was in trouble <laughs> And so, like, I, that's when I started actually trying to mention it to other people. I actually got my parents to start watching it, too, and now and now we still occasionally watch it. Like, we're watching the fourth season uh, together every once in a while. It's just, like, I just love the, 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 the wit, the, the callbacks, the, the running gags, and just... It's just really, really nice, like, a really funny thing. And the ensemble cast, like, the cast of the people there are just so really interesting. Like, this is... How I actually learned who Will Arnett was, even though I have probably seen him and other things like this. is like, if it wasn't for this series, I would never actually know exactly that name, that person, and, and other things he's done. You know,
0: let's talk about the main, the main storyline, which is the Living Classics Pageant, which mm. I like to say, like, it's such an absurd idea.
2: The Living Classics Pageant, an Orange County tradition, consists of live representations of classic works of art. The Bluth family has participated not only as a patron, but as an integral part of its most popular exhibit, Michelangelo's The Creation of Adam.
0: And even weirder that Buster has been doing this for years and years and years with his dad, (laughs) apparently, so...
1: I just wanted to say that I love the lawyers in this series. Like, this is the first time you see Barry Zuckerkorn especially, but all the lawyers... That you know have names and are and re- repair are just absolutely hilarious because there's all they've got their own eccentric you know eccentricities and all these running gags and stuff that that develop and it's just like Barry himself is just absolutely hilarious like in one scene he's like stealing the pastries on the <laughs> table and putting it in his bag and it's. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, and I
0: love how like a five-minute conversation with him becomes an hour. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, <laughs> and like, he's out. He's out. Yeah, he's like he's out it. on the phone for two minutes, and he's like, "How long was I on the phone?" Twenty-five minutes. 25. Well, you know, with the cell phone charges, I'm going to round it out to
2: about an hour because it's easier to bill.
0: Oh, we've been here for two hours, he's, and he starts yeah, writing. Right, right. He's <laughs> like, no, he's like, no, 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 don't do that. Right? Don't don't charge us for that. Don't charge us for the two hours. Yeah. <laughs> uh yeah
2: yeah it it cracks me up because um uh i I recently was watching some like some some random like you know investigation discovery like stuff that's geared towards old people and one of the ads that came on was for like a life insurance thing and they had Henry Winkler as like the spokesperson you know he's like, oh, here's a guy <laughs> that like old people are gonna trust and connect to and i it Makes me laugh every time I see him in one of those roles because his role in Arrested Development has totally ruined his trustworthiness to me. Like I just see him and I immediately like. This and this guy. You know what?
1: Uh, <laughs> uh, I also know him from like another uh, show called Royal Pains yeah. on the USA Network, and he plays uh, the main character's father. Who <laughs> abandoned them right. and is a and like was a pathological liar and and ran out on them and stuff like that. And so he's, he's great playing another in that sort of
2: role. And he's hilarious yeah. in this show. I he's one of my favorites. And then, um, not to mention Wayne Jarvis, um, consummate professional, <laughs> who I <laughs> adore. Um,
0: I love how um, like Buster's kind of brainwashing by his mother. Uh, shows up very quickly in this first scene. The courts have agreed to let your father out of prison.
2: This is a lawyer. He's
1: a master.
0: He's a master. And it's like... (laughs) 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 But, of course, the funny thing is they both say that before Barry then says... For the entire (laughs) afternoon. (laughs) And Michael is immediately like, "What? what? And I just love how... Lucille and Buster are so enthusiastic for Barry. Barry's very good, and yet Michael is like, this is the like, this is a terrible lawyer. He's an idiot. Exactly. It's weird that like Barry would be so concerned about trying to get him out for this pageant as well, which is why, which is the weirdest thing is, that's the reason to get him out is for him to, um, to play God.
1: <laughs> we find out that it's very inspirational, like that that prison guard talking to <laughs> the George yeah. there jordan senior is like
0: you know i saw you do this when i was a kid i was so impressed you know you were so still and godlike you know, it was at that moment that i knew i would be a dancer <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and now this pageant also pushes the buster and lucille 2 storyline a little bit where um, you know uh, it, as the narrator tells us um Buster had been secretly dating his mother's best friend and chief social rival, uh, Lucille Astero. This is kind of, we only get a tiny hint of this relationship here. We get this and then they turn up at the pageant and, of course, Buster assumes the booze were for him. Uh, which is, you know, a great line uh, about, like, which kind of tells you how Buster feels about things. Um, and uh, and then obviously, um, you know, they, they, they also try and see a film together and uh, Buster is too young for the, to be the AR AARP plus one.
1: <laughs> I love the little scene, too, where they, uh, where he's arguing with Lucille, too, Eliza Manelli, and, like, he's like,
2: can we just stay here and play poker again? You can bet your vertigo medicine, and get my <laughs> anxiety pills.
1: <laughs> and, and another thing that I've kind of started noticing again while you're watching it, but when the scene ends, you know, they're both saying okay because, you know, he's having an anxiety attack and, she's having one of her dizzy spells and it just goes they're like okay okay I'm okay and then it goes to Michael saying okay (laughs) to Barry and I was like really realizing that they they do a really great way of uh repeating phrases not only just you know in a scene but then later on using that phrase again and I think that's probably one of the best things I love about this series is them using phrases that at first you know seem innocuous but then by repetition and stuff like that become just absolutely hilarious
2: another thing i want to point out about this scene is that the premise at the beginning of this episode is
1: (laughs) he was however getting along with his sister which was unwelcome news to their mother who feared this unity might be used against her
2: Lindsay's agreeing with michael kind of in the same way that buster is agreeing with uh lucille and um And I think it's really interesting because you don't see that happen a lot in the series. And so it's interesting that it's such a plot point in this episode.
0: So you'll get a lot of Michael and Lindsay like in the kitchen at the model home kind of snarking at each other and, you know, making remarks and kind of, you know, jabs at each other. But you rarely get a storyline that is just Michael and Lindsay united to do something. Right. Um, Just like, I mean, you get a lot of Michael and Job storylines Simply because they're rivals and they're rivals, you know, at at the company in the second season, certainly. But, you know, they're rivals for the affection of different people. uh, uh, You know, Marta being the most obvious one for these kind of first 13 episodes. But it's rare that you get Lindsay and Michael as like as a pairing. And it's interesting to see in this episode. And I particularly love how every single scene kind of has them getting closer and then being pushed apart by their mother. And she and what's great is how Lucille comes up with these phrases um you know, where she's like she says stuff that is so obviously her being mean, and yet both of them seem to think it's Lindsay or Michael. And I think that's it's really weird that if they gave it like a second thought, they'd realise that it's you know, it's it's not it's yeah. not the other one. Yeah, but We start off with... It's the only way he'll give money to someone he calls a stay-in-bed mom. Which I think is like a particularly cruel phrase uh, that Lucille comes up with. Yeah. Uh,
1: and, and and you're right. Like If you take a moment to think that it, they're obviously her, they do realize it, but only after they start yelling at each other. Yeah. Which is another funny yeah. gag that I find funny. It's like they're yelling and yelling, and it's
0: like...
2: That doesn't even sound like me. That sounds like mom.
0: Of course. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. It's like... <laughs> It kind of in this this weird rivalry that Lucille is pushing between, you know, her two middle children, you know, because she doesn't care for Job and she obviously has Buster fully under control. So these are the kind of these are the only two who can ever rebel against her. Um, she she does say stuff like, um, you know, when she's when Lindsay's saying, you know, maybe Michael will give her the money and she goes, well, maybe if you get him drunk. And then, of course, later on in the episode, <laughs> they do get drunk together. Yeah. But it's not a cynical thing. Right. It's not yeah. like it's not like Lindsay is deliberately getting him drunk to get the money. It's yeah. just something that happens. But of course, when Lucille finds this out later, and she's like, "Well, what she do? Get you drunk?" And then he's like, <laughs> "And I, I, th- I think the kind of the reaction that, that like the Jason Bateman and um, Portia de Rossi give to the kind of each revelation that Lucille seems to know her kids really well, so she knows that oh well." the only way this one's going to give the other one money is if they get them drunk. Um, but also I, I want I just want to touch upon Tobias um, who doesn't really get that much to do apart from the kind of the never nude stuff, but he gets this little thing where um, <laughs> when he's, when he kind of, he's talking and um, <laughs> Lindsay says, Please don't speak for the rest of the meeting. And Tobias just goes, zing. And I just love how even though she's zinging him, he still has to say zing because it's just part of his personality. Uh, And then when, of course, maybe arrives, (laughs) Tobias does this whole thing of like, you know, our daughter is all right. And he starts touching... Um, Buster and Buster kind of <laughs> leans away from him as if to say, "What are you going on about?" Like, and I, I, I love this whole, this kind of, this weird interaction between Tobias and Lindsay at this meeting.
2: Yeah, uh, and then obviously, yeah. you know,
0: maybe, maybe getting, maybe gets kind of like the, um, gets the, the punchline to the scene where she gets left <laughs> behind. At yeah. The very end. And, and every, everyone, everyone basically is emptied out, and she's just standing there. And she goes, "They've <laughs> got to be kidding me." And you. that's kind of like the, the that's the kappa to the kind of the first kind of part of the episode. Yeah. What, what was that one line where
1: he's like, "I thought you said you didn't want her to come," and he's like, "And Lindsay's like I, <laughs> no, I
0: I said I didn't I said want I didn't you want you to, to come.'" <laughs> he's yeah. like, "Oh, that makes like, makes oh well, that makes more sense." <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love that. Is such a great kind of, yeah. Tobias knows that he's kind of, you know, he's destined to be abandoned by Lindsay, but somehow he kind of keeps clinging in there.
2: And like, Tobias, I, I've got to give a shout out to David Cross for his ability to do this like, reach out and not touch anything, and then kind of make that not, like, try to make that moment pass in a nonchalant way he's so good like with Tobias his like his physical presence as Tobias like wanting to like touch people and like be comfortable with them but he's not and they're not comfortable with him and his like trying to pass that off in a casual way like oh I reached out to touch my wife's arm and she drew away from me it's fine (laughs) everything's great I wasn't doing that (laughs) So good.
0: Despite not being in this episode very much, you know, he kind of spurs along the George Michael storyline with him being Adam. (laughs) And he talks about, you know, it's weird that Tobias reads into (laughs) everyone keeps doing this. Actually George Michael's intentions are basically, he wants to have sex with his cousin. That is the only thing that's on his mind at any time. Everyone always reads his intentions as something completely different. So like Tobias reads his intentions here to have sex with his daughter as he's a never nude and it's such a weird it's like such a big leap to make that it's, it's, it's so weird um, but I also do love the fact that it's just maybe he only has to say one line to George Michael and he's willing to never take that muscle suit off again where she's just like nice pecs got a kicking bod and that's literally all she says as the door closes Yeah, and that's it thus George Michael found a compelling reason to keep the muscle suit off you know, even the instruction from Buster about... You're going to love it.
2: You, you just can't do anything that violates the original painting, like giggling or itching. They do allow some nervous crying, but you can tell they don't like it.
0: All the instruction, it doesn't bother him so long as he gets to keep the muscle suit on, you know, with his end goal still being in mind uh, that he would like to get with his cousin. We get a tiny bit of Martyr and Job, and this is probably my favourite exchange between Marta number two, who is a different a different actress to the previous martyr that we that we've that we've met already Marta Um, (laughs)
1: 2.0
0: yeah she um she says to Job uh, as he's leaving the house so I guess he is living with Marta still she says
1: uh English
0: please
2: I love you great
1: now I'm late
0: (laughs) and I love I love how I love how he's demanding she say it in English and yet he's annoyed when she says it in English And that makes him late. And I love that he completely misses the sentiment of what she's saying to just get annoyed at the words and the kind of time that's being taken up. Uh, This obviously also introduces uh, Michael learning Spanish to get closer to Marta. And, of course, uh, you know, he can't do it just by learning Spanish any other way, he learns it from business Spanish. <laughs> it's like, unfortunately, the one tape he could find was of little use to him. Are you going to the complimentary breakfast? And Michael was like, that'll get her hot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and he's just such a, I love, I love that Michael sort of has kind of, he knows how to kind of woo Marta in some way, because when he was with Marta number one, he kind of did it a little bit, but without even trying. But now he's trying. He's finding very difficult with this, you know, just to learn <laughs> Spanish. Um, and I love that Job like throws out a Harry Potter reference, which in two thousand three, this is, you know, I guess the second film was out or something. So yeah. this is still, you know, quite early in the. But he, he refers to his brother as. Uh, well, if it isn't the boy who lives under the sea. <laughs> I love the way I love the way that Will Arnett delivers those lines. <laughs> Michael and Lindsay are talking later on. Lindsay comes in annoyed, and she's you know saying you know. But what's funny as well is actually that Michael is like, um, you know, did I wake you from a nap? And I, I, <laughs> so, and, they, of, and this is also part of the um, you know. Actually, Lindsay was so upset at Michael that she tried meditating to calm herself, but ended up taking a two-hour angry nap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can see on Portia de Rossi's face as well how she's not. She's kind of got this weird scowl on her face as she's lying down asleep while maybe he's in the background lugging her suitcase around trying to get someone's attention. Yeah, Michael kind of wakes her up and, um, you know, it's like Michael goes, that doesn't even sound like me. It sounds like mom. Or Bruce Valanche. <laughs> Could be Bruce Valanche. And I just, I, it's just, such a weird reference for this to throw out. Um, but, yeah, and, and obviously, you know, Michael's like... You've got to remember, Mom typically has nothing in her system except a
2: bottle of vodka and an estrogen pill.
0: <laughs> and then that's when Lindsay and Michael do get drunk. And, again, it's not... Like, Lindsay's not forcing Michael to get drunk. It's just something that's happening. And this is the point at which we find out about... Um, I, I, in fact, I, this is one of the things that they do on Arrested Development a few times where someone will state a problem... And kind of deny the problem exists and then immediately admit that, yeah, that is actually the problem. And, um, you know, Lindsay is like, she's always trying to get me to admit that my marriage isn't working. And Michael's like,
2: how's it going with you and Tobias? It's not working. And I just
0: (laughs) I love how she kind of wants to deny to her mother it's not working, but she'll literally admit seconds later (laughs) it's not working. working. We get the credit card debt brought up here, which I don't think is ever brought up again for the rest of the series. So I can only assume she got it paid off somehow. Um, and we find out some important details of their marriage before they moved back here, which is they weren't sharing a bed. Um, and Lindsay says the cutoffs weren't exactly a turn on. And I love I love how Michael's like, what's the deal with the cutoffs? Um, which is funny because I guess if you've seen the... the pre, I, I mean, actually, the episodes aired in the wrong order, so... I guess the never-nude thing is actually explained before you see it the following week. But if you watch these on the DVD, you see the the cut-offs, and then the next week, it gets explained. Um, And then, I I love that the narrator is like, Tobias suffered a rare psychological affliction of never being able to be completely nude, even when alone. And this is the point at which we get the... We get Tobias...
1: Excuse me, do these effectively hide my thunder?
2: Oh, I'm sorry. No, I need you to be completely undressed. I am completely undressed,
0: <laughs> and it's funny because when Michael admits, "I love Marta," Lindsay immediately says,
2: <laughs> "Marta,"
0: <laughs> and Michael, you know, corrects her by saying, "Jobs' girlfriend."
1: I do like the fact that um, I've I listened to the commentary because I have the DVDs and stuff like that. That they constantly call this Marta Marta two point and and like they 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 always they mention like mentioned, how they've had had two martyrs and stuff like that but you know it it just seems rather seamless when i when i think about it because i don't remember noticing two different ones and you know she just you know just says like her one line there and i you know and Job gets mad at her and stuff like that and it just it's pretty much par for course for her i feel
0: yeah. Yeah, I don't I, I don't know how Job would have met Marta in the first place. This is a kind of confusing thing. Like they're kind of already together when the show begins, I think. Yeah and it's kinda of weird that like we never they never ever tried to explain how a Spanish language soap <laughs> opera star got together with this kind of like third rate magician. It just it just seems to a third rate yeah. magician who has like a very specific attitude about immigrants, so it it just seems really weird. Um, you know that they kind of like just are together now it's at this point that we get to the introduction of the second lawyer that we're going to meet in this episode Wayne Jarvis had
1: become famous after an employment discrimination suit against the family's current attorney, Barry
0: Zuckerkorn
2: it'll be a long time before Barry Zuckerkorn calls anyone a homo again
0: he is, um, the narrator tells us that Michael finally arranged a meeting with attorney Wayne Jarvis and Michael, you know, he details that they want a more professional approach And Wayne Jarvis is like
2: I'm serious and I'm a professional
0: And Michael's like So how long have you been And Wayne Jarvis immediately goes I also don't like small talk (laughs) I find it unprofessional
2: Why should I be billing you For small talk When I'm enjoying it As much as you are
0: Um, And I think um, The actor's name escapes me What's his name Um, Uh, John I I know it's got John John Michael Higgins Yeah yeah, John Michael Higgins Who I didn't want to get those names In the wrong order Because uh, uh, I sometimes will With someone who has three names uh, yeah, and which... he's he's great in in this like as this role.
1: Uh, I find interesting because, like, uh, I was looking up just some information to see what else he is, and apparently he's the voice of uh, Varic from Legend of Korra, who uh, that the basically the businessman who's just utterly insane and has that uh, assistant Julie, which a lot of people who have seen the series will like instantly recognize the who I'm talking about. But it's such a manic and awesome character. That it's it's such a a radical shift from what he is in here, which is just which is just great. It just shows like a lot of range, but also you know just one of the things that I would never have thought of until I read that you know read his like Wikipedia article and looked at his uh IMDb.
0: When Michael is like, then this must be a freebie because I'm having a ball.
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah. Michael, Michael makes a little, like, Michael feels awkward, so he makes a little joke to kind of break the tension, and Wayne is like, I also, he's like, when you're ready to get serious, give me a call. Michael's like, no! No, 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 I'm, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm serious, I'm ready. And, um, I love, I love Wayne Jarvis because he's so stern in, like, a completely non-emotional way. Like, it's just like, he delivers his lines just like, well, you're obviously not serious, I'm out. And, like, you can tell he's angry and upset, but he doesn't betray any of that, like, irritation. Um, Because he's a
1: professional. Because
2: he's a professional, and he he just, he plays this so well, and then um, throughout the the episode, you know, uh, he is kind of a witness to the dysfunction of the Bluth family. Um, where, you know, Lucille comes into the office and Michael's like... If she even sees you, she probably won't come in the room. And he's like... I hey. shall duck behind the couch. <laughs> it's like... What a pro.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love that Michael's saying that to nobody as well. <laughs>
2: yeah, exactly. like he's always,
0: Like, no one's around to hear that Michael thinks that Wayne Jarvis <laughs> is, is a pro. Yeah. He just says it out loud. Yeah. As, and this is where Lucille kind of you know um, kind of says says about Lindsay getting Michael drunk and he's like how did you know that and um, I, lo- I love that she, she's like um, she said
2: I said you wouldn't give her the money and she said he will if I get him drunk probably because she thinks you're a cheap bastard oh, her words her words <laughs>
0: It's, it's this kind of blaming and then I love that Michael lets slip about the never nudes and then Lucille's like I, just, I thought he just like cut offs
2: um, <laughs> and Michael's so thoroughly played by this that he momentarily forgets why he's brought Lucille to the office in the first place like he's so wrapped up in his annoyance with Lindsay and then he's like oh oh yeah um
0: there's a big bowl of candy in my office why don't you go eat it
2: and then Wayne Jarvis immediately pops up from behind the couch. It's amazing.
0: <laughs> I love that Wayne. Wayne makes sure that that promise is is very clearly. You know, I have a responsibility.
2: Wayne Jarvis, attorney at law, I have a responsibility to tell you that there is no candy in this office. <laughs>
1: I love that scene too, because like, uh, like you said, like he was totally in his own world and forgetting about. It. So when his mom, you know, mentioned why he wanted there, it takes him a moment to re- not only remember it, but then he gets this little like, like grin on his face he's like oh oh yeah this is gonna be fun and just like (laughs) and just like shoves her in there and just closes the door behind him
2: every time michael tries to play mind games with lucille she derails him with her own mind games and so it totally takes out his power you know (laughs) like that that you know new attorney could have been a good um you know way to back Lucille into a corner and make her make a decision but instead he lets her distract him with this thing about Lindsay which cracks me up anyway
0: well I find it funny as well that even with Job when he's like you know finds out that there's a new attorney and he's learning Spanish and he's like he's hiding something I intend to find out where it is and Lucille is like do yourself a favor get him drunk and the thing is Michael isn't like, I don't recall any of the times in the rest of the show where Michael actually goes out and gets drunk drunken <laughs> anyway. Yeah. So this is not, like, a thing. This is just something that Lucille seems to be knowing that if she says to one person that they'll end up doing it.
2: Right. Um, and I have to say something about that and... scene with, with Job and Lucille, because that is a visual gag. I've watched this this show through maybe, like, six times. Um just over the years and there was a visual gag during this scene that I had missed that I just saw for the first time this watch um, where Job. Lucille comes in and says, what are you doing here? And Job's sitting at the table reading um, a newspaper, and he goes, I had to get away from Marta. If I sp- smell another meal of fish, rice, and mango, I'm going to kill somebody. And in the background, Lupe, uh, her, her maid, is eating oh, yeah. fish, rice, and mango, and, like, immediately, <laughs> like, closes her Tupperware container, like, runs away. It's incredible. <laughs> um, I'd never noticed oh. it I mean, before.
0: I think this is only like the second time that we've seen Lupe... Since she replaced Luz, who was only in one episode <laughs> yeah, anyway. Yeah. Um, and Lupe, in in the earlier scene, this is meant to be Christmas, and she's wearing a shirt that says Boo <laughs> on it, like it's meant to be Halloween. And this this is, I think this is the first time we see this, where Lupe is always wearing shirts that are out of season in some way. <laughs> okay. I think it might be this scene or the next scene where Joe finds, maybe decides to print out some tickets to... Portugal, some, some flights to Portugal, and she says to George Michael, So
2: I printed the fake airline ticket from my computer. My parents missed this. I really might go to South America. That says Portugal. That's
0: right. And of course, Joe finds them, and he thinks that Michael is going to flee to South America. And I love that both, both of the bloofs don't have any idea where Portugal is, or even seem to really know where South America is. Portugal. Which confirmed his suspicions. Kind of live it up, down old South America way, huh, Mikey? Their geography
1: is just terrible.
0: This is this is actually this is another thing that kind of carries over from the previous episode, which is my mother, the car. Job is on the yacht, and he's like, "I was halfway to South America," <laughs> so I turned around. Obviously, he never left dock. But the the idea that South America is a place where they all want to go. Wayne Jarvis' story. For this particular episode, obviously he'll return later on. But, you know, he obviously must have persuaded Lucille of something because she ends up hiring him to represent herself against the rest of the family. (laughs) Uh, Again, it's a storyline that comes to nothing. But for this episode, it's quite funny that, you know, she turned again once. Like you say, Michael tries to outwit her and she turns it on Michael. And and of course, this is the thing that spurs, you know, because again, Barry and and, uh, Lucille, there seems to be something between them. And so Lindsay and Michael agree to let George Sr. out of prison for the pageant, but only so that he can see Barry with Lucille and that will make him jealous. And it should be noted at this point that we've already we've already met Kitty and we already know that <laughs> you know, he's been cheating on Lucille with Kitty like I think he says like every Friday for the last twenty years or something. <laughs> yeah. So I I'm not sure why he would get so jealous, but this is something that him and Job share this kind of uh, sense of propriety, as I believe job labels it, obviously you know Lindsay agrees to stay in debt
1: maybe it's a pride thing, you know, like how dare someone else try to take uh you know something that or someone it uh, something that's just terrible, but uh someone who loves <laughs> them you know or let, used to love them they can't they can, they can't stand the fact that they're no longer their the object of their affection so and they're looking to a new man, so they have to. You know, fight for it back yeah i guess that makes george sense george
2: senior's just a lunatic
1: <laughs> that too well
0: yeah there is that yeah
1: i was gonna say yeah. that that mentality is kind of lunatic in itself but
0: <laughs> yeah. and it's at this point that we get a kind of intersection of all the different stories here where uh buster gives in to lucille 2's wishes um and i i love i love this again once again arrested development with the kind of multi-layered joke lucille 2 asks
2: you ready to show me off before God and the whole world? And Buster says, "Well, it's not my dad's reaction I'm worried about."
0: <laughs> and I love that this kind of this places the understanding that Buster thinks of his dad as God, um, <laughs> that's of course he's that's playing, playing
2: God in the pageant.
0: <laughs> yeah, which we'll get to. We'll get to probably the funniest line in the whole thing in a second, where God is once again involved. Uh, and then this is also the point at which um, George Michael takes a look at the painting that he's going to be recreating.
2: And then what frontispiece? <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: and one of the cutscenes has Buster demanding the frontispiece back and demanding, kind of chasing George Michael around a table, <laughs> trying to get the costume back so that he can be Adam again. Um, but this does, I, I mean, Within the plot, I don't understand where that would have gone because he kind of... He, you you never see him want to play the part again. You just see him yeah. constantly trying to make sure that George Michael plays the part. Right. Uh, so that's probably why they cut it out. And we find out that Barry is not taking Lucille to the, the pageant and she's now there with uh, Wayne, uh, who says...
2: I am a man! <laughs> I am a man! And,
0: um, <laughs> so good. And of course, he... Uh, he when figuring out that he's going to be caught, he, uh, he says...
2: I shall duck behind that little garbage car. <laughs> and uh, Michael
0: says... The guy's a pro. He always, um, that's the thing. He always admires how professional <laughs> Wayne Jarvis is, despite whatever he's doing, if it's not going quite to his uh, his plans. Um, and, and as as we catch Wayne Jarvis, this is when we also get the, um, the announcer announcing the Michelangelo's creation of Adam. Anyway, so George Michael makes his debut, breaking the pageant's cardinal rule... Um. (laughs) Well.
2: Oh, stop booing! There's nothing wrong with it. There are dozens of us. Dozens. Dozens. And that (laughs)
0: will, of course, that will, of course, be called back in about ten or eleven episodes' time. You know, Buster arrives with Lucille, and um, you know, Buster assumes that the yells of disgust are directed at him, (laughs) which, of course, says a lot about his relationship with his mother. (laughs) We get a classic thing of Buster seeing. Lucille and then seeing his mother and calling them both Lucille and kind of, again, I mean that is essentially a payoff for a joke that we never really see which is him calling his mother Lucille and having kind of a panic attack <laughs> and uh, Lucille saying that old lady has done a number on you you know, which is true, although this that doesn't stop this relationship here clearly there must be something going, Buster must have something going for him that Lucille too is willing to <laughs> s- still keep seeing him and we get my favourite line where one woman says where is god there is no god <laughs> and i love that line so much because it's just like as with as with um buster's assessment of you know george senior being god it's just so funny that they're not yelling about there being no god but there is no god uh, and this is the first time that, that george senior makes a um you know, a run for it. Mm-hmm. This this will become a trademark so much to the point that uh, Lucille decides to carry around a taser uh, to kind of <laughs> slow him down. Uh, but this is the first time that he kind of like runs off and Michael chases after him and then J- Job chases after Michael thinking that he's <laughs> heading for Portugal. Yeah. Which, of course. No one is going to Portugal, you idiot! Lindsay and I broke down out of jail for a day to catch mom on a date. <laughs> you know, this is when he when he tells George Senior, you know, his mother's on a date. That's that's what stops George Senior, and that's how he gets kind of caught and taken back into prison. Uh, you know, freedom. And, and
1: then we almost said freedom, but no, he has to go back and, and catch his wife. <laughs>
0: yeah. And then we uh, we get the kind of the, the wrap up where um, everyone everyone goes to the prison, and this is the first time this happens for. Uh, Christmas Eve um, <laughs> and I think this might be the first time we get a scene between uh, Lucille and maybe mm-hmm. I think. I yeah. don't think up until this yeah I don't think up until this point they've actually kind of had any real interaction
2: never get the feeling like you don't even matter
0: only when I'm around my children
2: you reach a certain age and you have to practically scream to get noticed they turn you into a monster and then they call you one I don't think you're a monster and I think you're a lovely girl, you know what? I think you and I ought to spend more time together, yeah, and that'll drive her crazy exactly
0: I think is a good indication of where maybe gets this kind of rebellious streak, you know this kind of this 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 kind of need to torture her mother, which of course just comes from Lucille's need to torture lindsay, <laughs> yeah um so. <laughs> Um we also get a little bit of the wrap-up of Tobias and George Michael, where Tobias is like, You made huge strides today. Not realizing that George Michael didn't make any strides. <laughs> um, you know, he just he just took off a muscle suit because uh, you know, he he he, he was overdoing yeah, the, the whole picture thing. This is another oh,
2: moment where his physicality it. is great because he like grabs George Michael's shirt and George Michael's <laughs> just like trying to shrink away from him, but he's like holding onto his shirt. It's hilarious.
1: <laughs> like he, he and i i noticed like in the trivia notes he like he kind of uh mimics the the creation of adam pose before he touches it like you yeah. know like going over yeah. to like point at him with his <laughs> finger as he reaches across the the seat
0: this is also the first it's funny because we get um in the exchange between Lucille and maybe she says um i don't think you're a monster now you know later on there will be a whole film franchise <laughs> which goes around <laughs> the idea that but gangy is a monster uh so that's i obviously you know three years out i don't think that's a deliberate kind of call forward but you know it's fun to kind of see it and the narrator kind of lets us know that michael was forced once again to call in the council of barry Zuckercorn. um and i love i love that barry's like oh, it's like any other day except that i build double <laughs> <laughs> uh uh, and and once again we get a um, one of the uh, Bluth parents seems to think that Barry is a good lawyer because you know he says I got them to call your flee from justice religious expression. George Senior goes. This is a lawyer. Yeah, he's he's very good. <laughs> he he doesn't he doesn't follow up like his brother and say anything positive. He he kind of goes yeah yeah he's very good. <laughs> um, and they find out they have to forfeit the bond. And then now this is something which I haven't mentioned up until this point because you know it will become a running joke but um and also it doesn't kind of make sense with the whole Lucille and Barry thing but from what we can tell Barry might be gay and um now he's very homophobic at the very beginning of the episode something which led his employee to hire Wayne Jarvis <laughs> and sue him and it leads to a great exchange when Michael calls up and he's and you know his assistant says I'll give her a message <laughs>
1: He's like, I'm not a her and he's like, Say something again. Say something again. I'm I'm redoing my uh my what is it? My my kitchen. My yeah. kitchen. <laughs> yeah.
0: But this, the funny thing is like um Tobias does this where he switches pronouns when referring to which he he referred to Steve Holt as a her <laughs> yeah. a few episodes ago. And this is this is something that, you know, um I don't know if this is just the writer's now, given that um, Abraham Higginbotham, who wrote this episode, is gay, um, I'm going to assume that you know Mitch Hurwitz kind of gave him leeway on this particular matter. Um, but yes, yeah, so it, it you know he creates the character of Barry Zuckerkorn, and he creates this running joke of Barry being gay, which is kind of um, here it is. is kind of. At the very end, Barry's like, um, you know, he talks about forfeiting the Bond, and then he asks George Senior a question. Are all the guys in here, you know? Oh, no, no, no. Not all of (laughs) them. Yeah. Just never once, you are." And Barry goes... Think. And kind of corrects himself. So, yeah, so we will... Obviously, in future episodes, we'll be discussing... Uh, yeah there's a lot more here later on (laughs) now I love this relationship this episode like the whole stuff with Michael and Z, getting closer I love it and this last little bit always makes me a bit sad because we never really see this relationship depicted this way again And, you know, we get the whole thing about, you know, we've been asked to never participate in the pageant again, (laughs) which explains why in future years, they never go back to the pageant as like a joke, which I guess is, you know, if you're a writer, that's a good way to be like, yeah, look, this is a one-off. Even though George Sr. has done this for 20 years or something, this is the last time (laughs) that they do it. So they're, you know, Michael says, you know, you're back in debt. We never busted mom and we're stuck with Barry. So they're back to how things were at the very beginning of the episode. Um, and then Lindsay says,
2: "Well, at least we're still pals." And
0: Michael's like, "Yeah, that's not really doing it for me this time." <laughs> <laughs> and
1: Lindsay's like, "Yeah,
0: yeah." So, but you know, and then the episode ends. Usually, we get on the next, but this time the on the next is a is a cutscene, uh, and that's that's the end of the episode.
2: There was one that um, one bit that I loved where um, where. Tobias makes the assumption that George Michael is a never-nude, and he's like, I'll never understand that you can never be nude, and then he just, like, drops his robe, and he's <laughs> just in his cut-offs, and then he just walks out, and George Michael goes, yikes, and I love those moments with George Michael, where he's just kind of like, he's he's a teenager, but he's, like, the only mostly functional person <laughs> in the whole, you know, in the whole family, really, Um because, you know, Michael's pretty functional, but he, he gets caught up too easily in everybody else's nonsense. And so George Michael is just kind of like, you know, this outside character almost who's like, okay, yikes. <laughs> like, And I just, I love it when he has those moments where he can just comment on the family in that way.
1: Uh, near the beginning when uh, Michael says, we really should get a different lawyer or something like that. And Lucy... And Lucille's like, he's like family and you can't fire family and just the look on Michael's face is like <laughs> <sighs> like he, yeah. you could tell that if he could, he would so fire his family.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Barry is like, uh, you know, what are you doing? Pilates? And he's like, No forty year old woman <laughs> should look like that And Michael's like no four-year-old woman does look like that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, which I, is a small indication of like how cruel he can be himself <laughs> yes. to his mother.
2: Yes.
0: You know, they, they, they all. Sometimes they all have a little bit of Lucille's cruelty in them. On the next episode of I've made a huge mistake, we'll be discussing episode 109, where we will be going to visit the Gothic arsehole with uh, Jim Donahue and Ryan Lynch. Um, so I'm hoping you can join me for that next week. Otherwise uh i'm gonna ask if Sammy has any plugs. do you have any plugs sammy
2: um well i have a I have a newsletter where um is kind of where all my writing goes right now um and it's it's a bi weekly newsletter It's kind of on a bit of a hiatus right now, but it's coming back in full force pretty soon um where i tell a ghost story make a book recommendation talk about weird things that are going on around the internet um things i'm watching things i'm thinking about and it's usually kind of written in like a bit of a love letter type of way so if you just want somebody being nice to you in your inbox every couple weeks uh it's a good thing to to sign up for so um it's called highly illogical and um you can find it at tinyletter.com dot com slash spockgirl s p o c k g r r l, um, and uh, yeah, spockgirl spock is in Mister Spock, girl is um, in, in Riot Girl is uh, my Twitter handle as well. If you want to follow me on Twitter, great stuff.
0: And
1: Jordan, um, well, I'd be remiss to mention uh, I, that uh, the podcast network Audio Entropy has like a bunch of people who, who have. People who've been on uh, various podcasts that have worked with you, Darren, uh, you know the As If and 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 uh, the Cast Next Door and stuff like that. They have some of their own podcasts and might be doing something there with them soon. I don't know. It's it's kind of okay. discussion. So just keep an eye on it. It's audioentropy.com, and uh, <laughs> I have a Twitter, though I don't use it that much. Uh, it's uh, Dory Mingu d-o-r-i underscore m-i-g-u so if you want to follow me uh, I don't know and see me retweet funny things that v- uh, every like
0: three weeks or so. Okay, uh, thanks to both of you for joining me.
2: Yeah, and this is actually one of my favorite <laughs> episodes so I'm glad I got to come talk about it. Um, I love this episode.
0: <laughs> and bye. bye. bye.